Welcome to the group message with DJ and Mike. I'm Michael Tadlock, and we are happy to be bringing you episode four of the group message. We're talking sports just the way you like it, just like in a group message with your buddies. As always, we encourage you to be a part of the show by finding us on Twitter at DJ and Mike or email the show at thegroupmessageguys at gmail.com. Now let me welcome in my sidekick from South Louisiana, Mr. Dwayne Jones. DJ, what is up, my man? Mike, man, exciting weekend of football we had last weekend. Great slate of games this weekend. We got a great show. Going to put some people on blast, win you some more money. Can't wait to get started, man. Guys, we have a good one for you today. We have plenty to discuss from Saturday's games. We have some big games coming up this weekend. We've got bets of the week. We've got several emails, tweets, and message board posts to talk about. But first things first, you know what time it is. If you're just joining us, you'll soon know. It's time for our weekly opening segment called A Letter from DJ. Now look, Mike, I was having a, a tough time. I couldn't decide if I should blast UCF and all the bozos that picked those guys to try to say they should be in the playoffs. Thank God we don't have to talk about Central Florida this year in the playoffs and listen to the the guys that actually get paid a lot of money to give their opinion and say that UCF deserves to be in a playoff. Thank God we don't have to talk about them. But they're not a Power 5 conference, Mike, and I don't really want to rant and rave about UCF. So, dear Miami Hurricanes, Miami, you used to be a program that won national championships, won ACC championships. You've literally had some of the best players to ever put on a helmet. The likes of Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, Frank Gore, Michael Irvin, Warren Sapp. I mean, the list goes on until infinity when you're talking about the type of pedigree that's come through Miami. And now, as far as I'm concerned, and a lot of the country's concerned, Miami, you're known as the prop university. I don't care if you score a touchdown. Now, all of a sudden, you got touchdown rings. You get a turnover, you got the turnover team. What has Miami's football program come to when, in the beginning of the year, Miami, the rest of the country couldn't wait to see how much money you wasted this year on a turnover chain um, rather than see your football team play. Manny Diaz, what are you doing? Is this the type of culture you want for your football program where you're allowing your team to run over to the sideline after they score a touchdown versus Bethune, Cookman, and put on touchdown rings? It's amazing to me that your offensive players know exactly where the touchdown rings are. Your defensive player knows exactly where the turnover chain is. But when you line up on the field, you don't know which way to go. What's going on, Miami? What's really going over there? Okay, you've lost to UNC. You've lost to Florida. You lost to Vitek. You beat Central Michigan by five. And you blew out Bethune-Cookman. And you act like you beat Clemson. Manny Diaz. Enough is enough. Stop with the props. Get back to what Miami football used to be. I can tell you, those guys that established the U are have to be upset because Miami, the U means undisciplined now, an utter disgrace, and an utter joke. That's about what the U means to the rest of the country right now. Get it together. Sincerely, DJ. That's the letter. Stamp it. Seal it. It's headed your way, Hurricanes. Drop the gimmicks, win some games, then hit us back with some props. Nice. Mike, how about how about they cut out a, a W on the sideline for a prop? How about we see that from Miami? How about how about y'all find out where the W prop is, blow the dust off of that, and bring that out? 
Because right now, all I'm seeing is a bunch of L's. Man, and Virginia Tech has not been – they have not looked good this year. That was that's, – that's a bad loss. That's Mike, a bad loss. Let me, let me tell you how bad of a loss it is. Miami, you turn the ball over five times in the first half. You throw four interceptions. You're playing a quarterback who's only thrown the ball two times in his career. He comes out, hangs 28 on you in the first half. Your only touchdown in the first half was a Hail Mary. And I don't want to hear anything about, oh, we came back. I don't care. Get it together. Strong letter there, DJ. Let's get into some of the action from over the weekend. All right, DJ, Auburn at Florida. That was the big matchup over the weekend. Yeah, it was um, it was the one that we were all looking forward to, huh? Yeah, yeah. So, we, you know, I picked Auburn to go in and win. Uh, of course, as a state fan, they came in and blew the doors off of state in, in Auburn uh, the weekend before. So, everybody was riding high on Auburn. So was I. They go to Florida. Tied Grantham's defense. Man, they actually look like the better defense on the field Saturday. What were your thoughts on Auburn at Florida and the freshman going into uh, to Gainesville? Mike, uh, don't mean to pat myself on the back here, but uh, as you can call from last week's show, even though I said I've been high on Auburn, I picked Florida in this game. And it's because, man, I've seen this. I mean, I think Nick's is going to be okay, but he isn't a true freshman quarterback like a Lawrence or like a Tua. So when you go on the road to the swamp, take it, I'm an LSU fan, I know how hard it is to play in that place, okay? So I figured you're going to take some lumps, you're going to take some bruises with Nick's, and I figured this would be – this would be that game that Nick's um, – look, he didn't have a good game. The guy was 11 for 27, three interceptions. But, Mike, with that being said, and like we've been saying all along, they were in that football game until the fourth quarter, right? I mean, Florida, as good as a win as that is, I mean, it was a four-point game until Pirine busted off a, a 80-something yard run, you know, halfway through that fourth quarter. Yeah, I was. I, I, one thing that we touched on last week was that Auburn's defense was good enough to where that was going. They were going to keep them in a lot of games. I think that's what happened there because the freshman definitely uh, looked like a freshman for the for one of the first times this year. And uh, you know, that's I don't know. Uh, road games in the SEC, DJ, they're tough. I mean, I think there's a lot of Auburn fans that wake up on Monday morning and they're or Sunday morning and they're completely livid about this and they're ready to fire Gus and just having your typical overreactions of college football fans. But I don't think it's time to, you know, to burn no, the house down. No, or no, not, I mean, Florida's, Florida's good and they're at home. And uh, look, at the end of the day, Mullen's a good coach and he's got a good defensive coordinator. And Grantham knows how to how to scheme. So not totally shocked with the outcome, but uh, freshman QB also for Florida. And he, he uh, played a little better, protected the football. No, look, I mean – Florida got off to the terrific start. They they hit a long pass in the beginning. Once then, Auburn was playing catch-up. That's never the type of game that Auburn wants to play with a freshman, true freshman quarterback on the road, in the swamp, in prime time. That's never a recipe for a good outcome. But once again, Auburn first forced several turnovers, and the big boy from Auburn, I love seeing him pick up that fumble and rumble and stumble. I mean, he, he fell – but uh, he could have taken that one about 70 yards, and it would have been a completely different ball game uh, if he doesn't trip over himself. So, Auburn, you still have a lot of positive things uh, going on. Um, find out the things that Nick's does right. And, you know, I thought we'd see more more Wildcat-type formations like they came out versus Mississippi State. We really didn't see that from, them, from Auburn this week. But, you know, Auburn, you're okay. Florida, we're going to see who you are this week. I mean, we're going to talk about your matchup coming up with LSU this week. We're going to see if you're the real deal. 
Because going into Death Valley at night, it's tough. So we're going to see. Tough uh, two-game stretch for Florida, no doubt. We'll get into that one in just a little bit. Another game over the weekend that we want to hit on is uh, Ole Miss-Vandy. Now, granted, the first half was just absolutely putrid. I mean, it was like 10-6 to 6 at the half. Uh, Ole Miss ends up putting putting a, together some nice drives, some scores, breaks off some long plays. The running game is rolling right now. Granted, it was against Vandy, but what do you think about Ole Miss? They are looking better. Is this something they can build off of? Is this something that they say, hey, this is Vandy? I see some things to to definitely be at least a little bit optimistic about if you're an Ole Miss fan. Here we go again with Ole Miss. I'm joking, Ole Miss. I'm joking. I know the last few weeks, I've been busting you up pretty tough. But listen, Mike, the first stat I checked on of this Ole Miss game when I was flipping through the channels and I was, you know, was actually your attendance was 47,000. So congratulations for showing up to a football game. How fun was it? (laughs) Look at that. How much fun did y'all have? You got out of the Grove and you got into the stadium and you actually saw a pretty good football game. Mike, I think you hit on it. I mean, look, they had... 400-plus rushing yards, the most rushing yards in a game for those guys in about eight, nine years. Um, They had a bunch of big plays. Um, And, look, they've held four out of their last five opponents under 70 yards in rushing. And when you can do that, Mike, you can hang around a lot of football games. You start to make teams one-dimensional. You can hang around a lot of these football games. And Ole Miss, I'll give you credit this week. You look good. You got a win, a much-needed win. As I told the fight Willie Taggart, okay, you win one, you win two, you win three. That's called a win streak. Going to Mizzou this week, we'll see what you got. Yeah, one of the things about this game, well, first of all, I don't even think it's about the biggest story is not about the game. Obviously, they beat a Vandy team that uh, has not been very good this year, but it's still a a lot of positives to take away from it for Ole Miss. But my biggest question to you, DJ, and to our listeners out there, which, by the way, in case you missed it earlier, Make sure you, you interact with us. We're, we're all about letting you have some airtime, talking about you, talking about the things you guys want to talk about. Hit us up on Twitter, search at DJ and Mike, and also on email. Uh, it's the group message guys at gmail.com. So hit us up, interact with us. We want that, and we enjoy uh, getting your feedback. One of the things that I want to talk to you about, DJ, and to our listeners is, what's going, what's going to happen with this Ole Miss coaching staff? Because first of all, I think any Ole Miss fan – that's being realistic is going to tell you Matt Luke is not what's making this improvement right now. They went out, they hired two former head coaches in Rich Rodriguez and Mike McIntyre. The defense has improved. The offense is much improved. And now Rich Rod has his quarterback in John Rice Plumley. They've got a stud freshman in Jerry and Ely in the backfield, along with Connor and uh, Phillips. So, I mean, they've got, they've got a pretty good running attack right now. What's going to happen, though, at the end of this year if you're Ole Miss? Do you do you overpay and try to extend these guys in McIntyre and Richrod while not extending Luke or not giving him as much of a raise? Because if not, do you risk losing these two guys? Because you got to think Mike McIntyre would love to get back into coaching again, in uh, head coaching. And Richrod, I mean, who knows? How do you approach this if you're Ole Miss to keep from insulting Luke but also trying to keep the band together to where you can ride the momentum? Look, it's a great question, but I think there's a lot of politics going on within Ole Miss. I've heard some of these rumors about the new chancellor actually hired himself. I mean, there's a lot going on behind the scenes at Ole Miss. So, Mike, I wish I had an answer on where I think this was going to go. But until Ole Miss figures out what they're doing with their school, 
Um, I don't think they can figure out what they're doing with their football program. I think they're happy to win games this year. They'll let the dust settle, and we'll see. But, uh, no, you're right. Luke's not the guy that's going to take you to the next level, right? He's not going to compete versus Alabama. He's not going to compete versus uh, Georgia or LSU. Um, You're going to have to go out at some point in time and spend money, okay? That's the the equation. Can you – can you take a chance at getting rid of Luke and promoting Richrod? If you're Ole Miss, if it, if it comes down to, let's say they find a way to win six games this year, or five or six games, and they're sitting there looking at this and, and maybe Richrod's gaining some interest from other programs as an offensive coordinator or possibly even as a lower-level head coach, are you willing to make the move to try to keep the momentum and get rid of Luke and promote Richrod? Can you even do that? I mean, I think they're, they're stuck with a pretty tough situation because most Ole Miss fans, and probably their program knows that their athletic director probably knows that this is not Luke is not what's making you know. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, look, like I said, we'll see how many games they win. Um, that's going to determine a lot of what happens um, over the next year. So, man, we'll see. I'm excited they got a win finally. I'm excited people were actually in the stands. Um, you go on the road to Mizzou. Kelly Bryant hurt his knee in that game. Not as bad as people thought it was going to be. So we'll see. We'll he see is what expected they do. to play, correct? Yeah, he is expected to play. We'll probably be in a brace. But, uh, look, defense travels. We'll see if that run defense travels. Tennessee and Georgia, DJ. We've ripped on Tennessee quite a bit. And at halftime of that game, we were actually talking to each other through our group message, talking about how Tennessee was actually competing in this one. And then, sure enough, Georgia pulls away and makes it look ugly in the second half. I feel like we're doing this a lot right now. We're trying to find positives and blowouts for teams. But what do you take from this? Did UT find a quarterback? What are, what are we looking at? Anything you can take away from this game? Look, Gerritano, that that guy, the quarterback that was starting, um, you know, for Tennessee before Maurer stepped in. I mean, the guy's only averaging 14 points a game, so you had to make a change there. I don't blame Pruitt for making a change. Nothing like getting your first start versus the University of Georgia at night, though, right? I mean – my goodness, that kid was thrown into the deep end without a floaty. Um, and look, the guy played well. I mean, he played well. You can tell when the ball comes out of his hand, it's just different than Gerritano's. Listen, Mike, I don't think – take it from a guy that has suffered as an LSU fan through terrible offensive teams, right? I don't think the problem is the talent. Jennings is a big-time wide receiver. Callaway is a big-time wide receiver. It looks like you have your quarterback of the future. What I'm telling you, Tennessee, is go out and do what LSU was able to do. That is find a true passing game coordinator that can develop a quarterback and change the identity of your program. You have all the pieces. You have the 100,000-seat stadium. You have the great athletes. You have the fans, and you can tell they're ready to explode and go crazy. What you have to do is go out, spend the cash, Get the guy that's going to come in and turn your offense around. At this day and age, you have to put up points to win football games. Take it from an LSU fan, right? You have to put up points. So, yeah, I think all the pieces in place for Tennessee, go out, get a good coach. I'm not saying get rid of Pruitt by any means. Just get, get, a, get a Brady on your staff like LSU did and see what happens. Yeah, DJ, when I'm looking at this Tennessee program and Pruitt, you know, I think you make a good point. However, I don't know – what kind of patience that program and that fan base is going to continue to have. They desperately need a win. And they just so happen to be playing a coach that's also desperate for a win this weekend. But they're hosting Mississippi State and Joe Moorhead coming into town. We'll 
we'll kind of get into some games uh, of this coming up weekend. But, you know, I was looking at some message boards, um, you know, throughout the beginning of this week. And I saw a thread on his either six pack speak or elite dogs. One of the Mississippi State boards that brought up a good question I'd like to ask you and our SEC listeners. And that's who is this weekend's state Tennessee matchup more important to? Is it bigger to Pruitt? Is it bigger to Moorhead? Who's got more on the line? Who needs the W more, in your opinion? I think Mississippi State needs the W more. I mean, Mississippi State still has to play LSU, still has to play Alabama. I mean, you have got to go and get this W if you're Mississippi State, right? I mean, you have got to get this win. If you lose to a guy that's making his second career start, now listen, I know Mississippi State's starting a true freshman quarterback, but uh, Mississippi State, you got to win this game this week. I mean, I just can't see Moorhead. I mean, his seat's just going to be absolutely on fire. John Cohen, this is his guy. His he he chose him, so you got to think that he wants Moorhead to at least get one more year to get his players in there and try to prove himself. But you can't be losing to this Tennessee team this year. You just can't, especially after coming off of losses to Kansas State, looking horrible at Auburn a week ago. I think that this is a this is a really big game for both, but. I mean, man, this is uh, the, the thread on the message board was actually pretty split. I mean, there's a lot of people saying that Pruitt needed it more. And then there was a lot of people saying that Moorhead needed it more. And I think this is a coach's game. It's not it's about are you going to lose the fan base? Or are you going to lose the team potentially? Because you have to win Mike, games like this. Mike, and- Mike, let Moorhead lose this game. And I saw some of those message boards of Mississippi State. Let Moorhead lose this game. And you tell me after. Who's on who's on the hot hot seat? You let him lose this football game to Tennessee, and uh it won't be pretty, Moorhead. They'll be ready to run you back to Penn State. Yeah, one thing that's not debatable is that, that Joe Moorhead took over a much better situation. And I think that's where a lot of the Mississippi State frustration comes in, is you know, they're they're expecting Moorhead to be the the cupboard was much less bare in Starkville than it was in Tennessee. And even though Pruitt has has definitely not done much at Tennessee. Moorhead has failed to deliver on the expectations, whether they were fair or not. And uh, so it's going to be a pretty important game for both of those schools this weekend. Uh, so, DJ, look, we got we got to hit a little bit on some Big Ten, mainly because Ohio State is just flat out rolling, right? I mean, Justin Fields is looking good. Do you think this is a team that is a legit threat, or is this your typical pretender? Big Ten not playing anybody? Is that, yeah. yeah, exactly. No, look, thank you to the SEC for allowing Justin Fields to get out of our conference. I mean, this kid is the definition of a dual threat quarterback, right? He can throw it. He can run it. He can throw it short. He can throw it deep. Listen, if you're asking me the eye test who the best team in the country is, I'll say Alabama won Ohio State 1A, right? I mean, they have looked that impressive to me. You got them above your Tigers right now. Huh? Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, um, because our Tigers, let's face it, they haven't they haven't stopped anybody. They haven't played any defense against anyone, including Vanderbilt, including Texas. So until you stop someone, I mean, Ohio State has one of the most dangerous pass rushers in young in all of college football. They have one of the best running backs in college football. They have one of the best quarterbacks in college football. So, yeah, I have them slightly above LSU and right below Alabama. I think Ohio State is the real deal. Look, they still have to play Wisconsin. They have to play the khaki University of Michigan. 
Um, but they scare me too. I'm glad you brought up uh, Khaki University there because I'm sorry. I, I don't do a whole lot of the rant, and that's kind of DJ's forte here. But you want to know why we don't like Big Ten football in SEC country? Because you guys played a 10-7 to game in a top, what, 15 matchup, Michigan and Iowa. Look, I've been to a bunch of bunch of high school games, right, DJ? And when, when you get in high school football, and the, let's say there's a monsoon. You ever been to one of those games where it's yeah, just like an Wait absolute monsoon? The field is just an absolute, like, quagmire out there. Yeah, played and in so, them. So what do the coaches do? They abandon the pass altogether because nobody can throw the football hardly anyway in high school football. They abandon the pass, and it's just eye formation, turn around, hand it off. That's what this game looked like. It was like a muddy monsoon high school game between Iowa and Michigan. Just boredom galore out there. And I'm sorry, but I just do not see either of these teams competing with Ohio State in any way, shape, or form. It is Ohio State as the class of that league, and there's not anybody even close. Wisconsin, you could argue, might be close, but we saw what they do when they show up against a Northwestern or somebody like that. You can't lay an egg. You know, you can't afford to do that in big games. I feel like Ohio State is the only complete team in the Big Ten. Am I wrong? Tell me why I'm wrong. No, I mean, listen, I think uh, I think the Big Ten football is, besides Ohio State, is quote-unquote what the SEC used to be. We're going to play defense, we're going to run it, and we're going to punt it, right? I mean, Wisconsin, we all know what they're going to do, run the football. Michigan can't score any points. Michigan State could never score any points. Uh, Iowa can't score any points. They only scored three this week. So, I mean – they have yet to evolve while the rest of the conferences have evolved into a spread formation. They haven't even been able to keep up with Ohio State, right? They're still stuck on we're going to be able to run the football, play great defense, take it from an SEC guy that had has had some of the best defensives uh, in the country. You can't win football games like that anymore. You have to score points. And uh, the Big Ten just hasn't gotten there yet. You remember when Michigan stole uh, Shea Patterson from Ole Miss? Oh, yeah. They oh, stole yeah. the wrong guy, DJ. They should have stolen Hugh Freeze. They need some excitement in that league, man. The you know Three yards in a cloud of dust. It's just, it's just uh, boring, man. Boring football. Well, so let's, let's kind of get into the – before we get into the upcoming weekend, let's actually take a look at some of the message board meltdowns of the week because that's oh, always – Oh, these are my favorite. These are my favorite. I love the message boards. We love the message boards because, guys – that's where the passion is. That's where the meltdowns happen. And it's right there for us all to read. Uh, first off, let's go to Vol Nation where Shoal Creek Vol, he actually posted a thread talking about give us your positives, which I love give us your positives of a blowout loss, right? Because that's where the belts just just fester, right? So Biggin comes in with the first comment that says uniforms look pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, to Back be fair, from, Mike, the atmosphere was good. It was nice. Yeah, today. it really was. I mean, I kind of, I'm starting to kind of feel a little bit sorry for the Vols because when you know they're just kind of trying to laugh about it to keep from crying. You know what I mean? Yeah. So backwards, backwards, K comes in with no fires involving the Vol Navy this week nice. as a positive. Nice. So nothing sunk this week, huh? <laughs> and then, then I love this one from. Uh, well, actually, I forgot to write down this guy's name, so my apologies. But it says, "Looking at Vandy." our main rival now, it's possible we could end their three-game win streak over us if we really bring it. Yeah, look, at least Tennessee understands where they're at. But Tennessee, I'm telling you, you're not as far off as you think you are. You have to just get a few more guys that understand 
some offensive football and you'll be fine. You got the athletes, you got the stadium, you got the facilities, you got the name behind yourself. You're playing the SEC. One or two, one or two coaches, and you'll be all right. Yeah, and we had we had some close meltdowns that almost made the show from aufamily.com from the Auburn boards. And uh, man, Auburn fans, come on, man! It's not time. It's not doom and gloom time yet. These guys are already saying, "Well, here comes another seven and five season." I mean, after after that loss, I, I think that they're a little bit premature in that. But hey, that's why we love you guys on the message boards for sure. Mike, for you're sure. starting a true freshman quarterback. What do you want? You're gonna take your ups and your downs. He, I agree. He played bad this week because he had a few turnovers that really put you in some bad spots. He can't do that when he's not playing well. Just eat the ball, punt. You got a great defense, but Auburn, it's not. You're playing a true freshman quarterback. So looking ahead to, to this coming week, DJ, obviously you're going to have a lot to say about the main event. I'm looking forward to it. SEC fans are all looking forward to it. Florida at LSU. This should be a big game. Two undefeateds coming in. A lot of people think that Florida maybe is a fraud uh, on the on the national landscape because they think that without uh, Felipe Franks that uh, it's a paper tiger, so to speak. But so far they've kind of proven the naysayers wrong, even with Trask at quarterback. What are your thoughts on this game? You know, how confident are you down in, in uh, Bayou Bengal country? I mean, look, it's a 13-point spread. Vegas thinks LSU can run away with this thing. So that probably means LSU up 20 late in the fourth, gives up a touchdown, you know, to make it uh, – Florida makes it close kind of like Texas did. Mike, listen, it, it, can LSU stop somebody, right? I cannot believe I'm saying that and those words are coming out of my mouth. Can LSU – Stop somebody on defense. We're going to find out because I can assure you, Tiger Stadium is going to be rocking. And if you can't stop Florida, and it's one of these games where who has the ball last, that scares me. I mean, the, the matchup's going to come down to LSU's wide receivers on Florida's defensive backs. Florida's defensive backs are going to be in the NFL, and LSU's wide receivers look like they're going to be in the NFL. So, um, look. Burrow, 78% completion percentage for the year, averaging 372 yards, four TDs a game. Can Florida keep up? I'd say their offense can't keep up. And I think, yeah, I think LSU wins this 38-21, I see it being that type of game. So, LSU, you have your eyes set on bigger a bigger prize this year um, in about a month. But if you lose this one, that game means nothing, right? That game, you know, you go in there undefeated. Oh, okay, here we go. You go in there with one loss, you know, it's just not going to be the same. Yeah, I think I think Dan Mullen's definitely going to break out some some video of when uh, he took Mississippi State into LSU and and got the W. He's going to try to bring, pull out all the stops to to fire his team up for this one, but. I think the the advantage definitely goes to LSU. First of all, I think you hit the nail on the head with the the wide receivers versus Florida's DBs, and and here's the reason why I think that Todd Grantham he's going to bring it. I mean, he's going to blitz and he's going to blitz, and then he's going to change that up and blitz some more. That's what he does. So you're going to find out what's going to happen when those corners are put on an island. And this is where I think LSU this year is better than LSU in the past, is because they've got a quarterback and an offensive coordinator that can get the ball to those playmakers out wide. And in one-on-one matchups, if you can beat those guys, then it's home run after home run after home run against Grantham's defense. 
that to me is the key of the game. If Burrow can deliver the ball and if LSU has a good game plan for quick release type plays to those wide receivers and they can get loose, that's how you beat Grantham or that's how it seems like you beat Grantham in the past. I will ask you one question, though. Uh, Cajun Craig on Tiger Droppings, which, by the way, Tiger Droppings is one of my favorite message boards. So he says, is Florida better than Texas? My immediate reaction is, come on now, that defense, Florida's is way better than Texas. But I see what he's saying in terms of their offense. I think that Texas brings much more offense to the table. What's your thoughts on that? And uh, does he have a point in asking that question, or is it not even close? No, I think Texas would beat Florida. On a neutral field, I mean, I think Texas would beat Florida. I have no problem saying that. Uh, I still haven't wrapped my head around this yet. I mean, think about this. You're talking about LSU football without a NFL type of back like Geis or Fournette and a defense that's surrendering 30 points to Vandy and, and to Texas. It is the – I mean, this has come full circle in a year. I never thought I would be talking about LSU, can they stop Florida? I would be saying, can we score on Florida? Now I'm asking, can we stop Florida? And now I'm praying that we somehow maintain balance and run the football <laughs> this game. I who would have thought? Who would have thought, as an LSU fan, I'm saying, can we please run the football a little bit and can we please stop somebody? I mean, come on, right? Look, here's the way I look at it. LSU – is just a notch above Texas and Florida. I actually see Texas and Florida in a similar, you know, similar spot on the totem pole, so to speak, in college football this year. And I think that they're a notch below the LSUs and the top tier teams. And so with that being the case and with Burrow at the helm, he's as confident as ever. They're playing at home at night in Death Valley, you know, college game day there. I just think that I like LSU big. Oh, oh, by the way, by the way, Mike, Mike, you mentioned college game day. Big 12 fans, Big 10 fans, ACC fans. This is why you have to unfortunately root for other people in your conference when they play out-of-conference games. Because, Mike, let me ask you a question. If LSU loses to Texas, where is college game day this week? They're at the Red River Shootout, right? right. They're at the Red River Shootout. But Texas – beats, I mean, excuse me, LSU beats Texas. So, of course, they're going to come to the top 10 matchup in the two undefeated teams. So the rest of the country, they're always like, oh, you can't ever mention LSU without saying SEC. Y'all don't get it. If LSU loses to Texas, there's not as much hype around this football game. College game days um, all the way in, in, in Texas, and there's not as much on the line, Right. But because LSU won that football game, everything's on the line now. So for the rest of the conferences out there that just don't get it, case in point. Okay, case in point. Guys, uh, Ryan from Memphis, if you were listening last week, he jumped in. He's a, he's a big Oklahoma fan, and he jumped in and jumped all over DJ for bad-mouthing the Big 12, bad-mouthing Oklahoma a little bit, talking up the SEC. And, man, I got to tell you, it was pretty funny to watch DJ and Ryan end up going back and forth on email all week last week. And I just hate that it wasn't on Twitter, which, by the way, if you guys want to react on Twitter, at DJ and Mike, you'll find the group message on Twitter. Get involved, interact with us. We'll fire back at you. We'll include you in the show. The group message, guys, at gmail.com. You can email us. But Ryan kind of got Dwayne fired up 
DJ, kind of dive into a little bit of that, what you guys are talking about and how how you're explaining to this to, to Ryan that the SEC is not just Bama and everybody else. Listen, Bama is the team now that is the quote-unquote kings of the SEC. I'll give you that, right? I'll give you that. But a few years ago, guess what? It was Florida winning two national championships. A few years before that, it was LSU winning two national championships. So an SEC is cyclical. Right. I mean, it's five different teams have won national championships in the BCS era. So it's evolving. Next man up. Right. In the other conferences, it's not. You're never going to have Iowa State competing for a national championship ever. You're not going to have Iowa competing for a national championship. We saw what happened when you played Alabama in a bowl game. Got beat like 33 to nothing. So that's my point. My point is, how can you not pull for other teams in the conference if that means it's better for your team? If you pull for other teams in your conference to beat other teams when they play out-of-conference games and your conference team wins, that makes your strength of schedule better. What do they talk about when they talk about Who deserves to go in the playoffs? Well, they beat this ranked team. They beat that ranked team. They beat this ranked team that beat this team. I mean, I don't understand why why no one from any other conference can seem to understand that first and foremost, we root for our teams. And secondly, we root for the outcomes that will help our teams the most. And if that means that we have to see Georgia beat Notre Dame because we could potentially play Georgia in the SEC championship game and Georgia would be ranked higher, then that's what we're going to do. If we have to watch Auburn beat Oregon because when we play Auburn, that's going to help their ranking, that's what we do. Mike, where would Auburn be ranked if they lost to Florida and and, um, Oregon this year? That game wouldn't have even been been a big game last week. Correct. And we play Auburn in two weeks. So hopefully they're still in the top 10. Other bozos and other conferences, please get with it. Because you're only hurting yourselves rooting against your your teams in your conference when they play someone else. Yeah, I'll never forget being a State fan back in um, 14 when State and Ole Miss were both ranked for, you know, that stretch in the top top five. Um and I remember a, a lot of state fans that were all saying, hey, if it comes down to it, you know, we got to root for Ole Miss to beat Alabama, you know, once we lost that game to Alabama because that's the only way we can get back in. Not many conferences out there are rooting for their rival, even if it means getting you the jump you need. And I think that's where the SEC is different. For the most part, we want to see these teams ranked high so that when we beat them, you know, it, it's a feather in our cap. It's a strength of schedule bump. And uh, not just everybody around us being weak so that we can easily win the division. I mean, obviously, as a state fan, I'm talking more about the teams that are actually winning the division because we haven't won it in a, in a while. But uh, at the same time, it's it's no different for state. You still have to beat the big boys because the SEC is full of them. So you might as well beat the teams that are going to make you look good. And that's why a team like Mississippi State can get to number one in the country after an undefeated start because they know what kind of strength of schedule that you play. And that's why teams like uh, Central Florida and, you know, these Boise states have always struggled to get, can they get into the top four? Can they? And it's this big debate. It's because they don't play anybody. Correct. And that's what you're looking at when you're looking at the ACC and you're looking at, you know, Clemson 
having to play, you know, their toughest game of the year is North Carolina. Joke. I mean, that's that's such a joke. And then Oklahoma, I mean, look, that's that's why we're talking about the Red River rivalry right here. Because Dwayne, if Oklahoma goes in and loses to Texas, in my opinion, their schedule is not good enough to where they can bounce back from that. And obviously, Texas has already lost a game, so they're done with a loss to Oklahoma. But I'm not even sure a win over Oklahoma gets them back in the picture. So what are your thoughts on this game? How do you see it playing out? And does it matter in the grand scheme of things? Is either one of these teams poised for a uh, college football playoff run? Look, if Oklahoma beats Texas, and they're going to have to probably play each other again in the Big 12 championship game. Um, But – if Oklahoma wins out, I think, yeah, they would go in over a one-loss LSU team just from a prestige standpoint. I don't think you would go in from a resume standpoint. I think you'd go in because, oh, we can't have two SEC teams in. But if you tell me that Oklahoma only has to beat one ranked team all year, what a joke. And then if Texas beats Oklahoma – and they split like they did last year. I don't – and LSU goes on and only loses to Alabama. How can you put a one-loss Big 12 team in ahead of LSU? How? Because LSU would have already beaten Texas, who has beaten Oklahoma. And the only team LSU would have lost to would be the number one or number two team in the country. So our wins would be better – our loss would be better, and our head-to-head versus the top teams in the Big 12 would be better. So that's why, you bozos, that's why you cheer for your teams. However, I do think that we're getting to a day and age where everybody's wanting everything to be fair and everybody get a chance. And but all that's what I mean. That's why trophies. they would put them in. So that's would, why. Yeah, so that's why they would put in an Oklahoma or a Texas, potentially over an LSU, which would, as you like to say, would be a, a joke. A joke. And let me tell you, the reason and what every single Kurt Herb Street out there, Danny Cannell out there, all these other uh bozos that get paid by ESPN and all these, you know what they're gonna say? Oh, well, Texas isn't the same team that LSU played in week two. That's exactly what they're gonna say, right? Because LSU would lose later in the year than Texas would have lost in the year. That's their excuse every single year for keeping out two SEC teams. And when they put in two SEC teams in the Final Four, what happens, Mike? They play each other in the finals, Alabama sure. versus Georgia. So that's what they don't want. But I'm calling it now that if they put in a one-loss Big 12 team over a one-loss SEC team, and they, they're they going to use the rhetoric, rhetoric uh, that's not the same team they played uh, because they're different than they were when they started the season. Same excuse, same excuse, different year. Um, what are, what are your thoughts on this Alabama A and M game? Obviously, anybody that that follows football is not projecting A uh, and M to win this game. But in my opinion, DJ, this is actually a pretty big game for Jimbo Fisher. They brought him in and paid him a heck of a lot of money to compete against Alabama. That was their whole goal: is to to put them towards the top. They're not expecting to win. But I guarantee you that they're expecting Jimbo to show up in these types of games and to have that team competitive. I don't see it, though, DJ. I no, think the 17-point spread, even at a and I think the 17-point spread is too low. I don't see it. I mean, like you say, Mike, that's, those 17-point spreads can can bite you in the butt with a late touchdown. Like, uh, 
like South Carolina did for me when they lost to Alabama and scored a touchdown late and lost me some money there. But you're right, Mike. I mean, what has Texas A&M done this year to show me that they can actually compete versus Alabama? You go on the road, you lay an egg versus Clemson. Your quarterback looks like trash. You uh, Two weeks ago, you play Arkansas on a neutral field, and Arkansas almost beat you, and your quarterback played like trash. So now you're bringing in a team that doesn't matter if they play at home, doesn't matter if they play on the road. They come up, they're going to hit you in the mouth, and they're going to score a lot of points. Okay? I mean, for God's sake, their wide receivers are playing paper, rock, scissors to see who gets to, gets to run the long route. Okay, that's that's the type of players you're going up against. So you're right, Mike. Jimbo has to hit the reset button, um, and he has to do it fast because I can tell you um, the seat's not hot yet, but – Go seven and five this year, and people are going to start to ask some questions. Look, this game could get ugly this weekend. I mean, how do you see that game playing out? 38-21, 38-24 with a late Texas A&M score to keep it close and allow the – what are those guys called that do the little gig them? Are those guys to be happy for for a minute? The the milkmen? Yeah, uh, what a joke. Uh, Their biggest joke is Jimbo. And mine, by the way. Uh, you got more faith in those guys than I do. I, I don't think they keep it within 14 and 17. I think I'm, – I'm serious when I say this. I think we're talking about a, a 45 to 14, 17 type game. Let me I tell you, Mike. Gonna, if I it think is, it's going to be a route. If it's that type of a massacre, oh, my gosh, you have to make a quarterback change. You have to change something. You have to fire the offense coordinator. Oh, wait, that's Jimbo. Uh, you got to fire the defensive coordinator, uh, special teams coach, uh, the water boy, uh, the massage therapist. You got to fire someone. I think it's going to get ugly, DJ. It'll be interesting to see, but I, I do. Uh, I can't believe I'm about to say this is a big game because, you know, my feelings about the Big Ten outside of Ohio State. But I will give a little bit of credit to Penn State. They haven't played anybody really, but, you know, they're handling things with ease right now. And now they go into Iowa and they're playing a, a ranked versus ranked matchup in a Big Ten game. Is this worth talking about? Who, what do you see? Nope. Either one of these teams nope. impressive to you at all? Nope. Penn State, you are Penn State. You play zero people in the beginning of the year. You get your rankings up, and you wind up losing two or three uh, inexplicable games uh, at the back half of the year. You could not pay me enough money to have to watch Iowa again after last week. Disgusting. The only thing that was missing from the Iowa team was leather helmets. That's what I thought I was watching. I don't have any interest in watching this game. I won't watch this game. I expect Penn State to win by 10, 12, 14 points, somewhere along those lines, and uh, it not to be close, okay? Don't want to talk up. about it anymore because it's 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 something that – it's I mean, it, it's just disgusting. Uh, well, just to, just to put a little – shed a little bit of light on Penn State's 5-0 record, yeah, they, they have had some bloodbath scores, but they've played Idaho – 79-7, Buffalo, 45-13, Maryland, 59-0, Purdue, 35-7. But they did have mixed in there a rivalry game. I guess you could call it a rivalry game between them and Pittsburgh where they only won 17-10, to and that was at home. So 
I'm just not sold on them yet. They they're a they're a product of a very very weak schedule. Mike and uh, Mike, you know, it's, Pittsburgh's it's, not that great. It's Groundhog Day with Penn State. They play no winning in the beginning of the year. They're going to lose to Michigan State. They're going to lose to Wisconsin. They're going to lose to Ohio State and, and and lose three or four games this year. I mean, it's the same thing. They're going to have a big whiteout game versus Ohio State. Waxed. They're going to yeah. have a big whiteout game versus Wisconsin. Waxed. They're going to have a big whiteout game versus Michigan State. Lose on a crazy play. Or you a big whiteout game versus Northwestern. Lose on a block punt return for a touchdown. I, I see it every year. Whiteout. Jump around. They're going crazy in Penn State. Waxed. Every time. You feel the same way I do about the Big Ten. That's for sure. That's for sure. Time for our bets of the week. Last week, DJ had a solid day. I did not. Uh, DJ, let's recap last week's and hear what moneymakers you got for us this week. Yeah, overall, look, a good week last week. If it wouldn't have been for a bad beat by Texas, allowing West Virginia to score a fourth and ten meaningless touchdown at the end of the game, you'd have won all three bets last week with old DJ here. You know what I mean? Uh, Look, going over the bets last week, Maryland – uh, we called them the bipolar team. They covered um, Texas Tech over. That was that was good. And then obviously the Texas game you pushed at that last second, fourth and ten touchdown. That one killed me. Uh, but overall, pretty good week. Two zero and one. We'll take that every week. This week, um, we're going to stick with Maryland. Maryland. Listen, I know I call you the bipolar football team, but you're only minus two versus Purdue. Purdue doesn't have Drew Brees coming running out of the tunnel, so I need you to cover that. Um, UVA and Miami, 42 points. Miami, I saw what happened when you played an athletic quarterback last week. You gave up a lot of points. UVA's quarterback's pretty athletic, so I'm going to go over 42 and a half there. And then you got to take an over in the Big 12 every week, Mike. I think the, the lowest score of the Big 12, the o- lowest over and under, you take it. So I'm going over the Texas Tech game this week at 58. I like those bets a lot, DJ. My my bets were not so fortunate last week. I had uh, my only win was Duke. Uh, I'm sorry, Duke lost. So UNC minus eight and a half. Uh, Duke came back from being way down, got ahead by four, and then gave up a late score to uh, to blow the chances at that win. So I went one and two. The other loss was Auburn minus three. So the Gators, you picked them. I went with with Auburn and uh, and lost that one. So this week I've got Penn State going to Iowa where points go to die, and we're going to go with the under because although Penn State has put up some loud numbers this year, it's been against Cupcakes. When they played their first team with a pulse, it was Pittsburgh, and they only scored 17 points in that win. I think you're going to see something similar with Iowa. I think you're going to see them go in and win something like 20 to, you know, 20 to 10, 20 to 13, something like that, and keep the under, under 43. I'm going to go with Washington minus 6.5 at Arizona. Washington had a head-scratching loss last week. Chris Peterson, good coach, a lot of respect for him. I think they bounce back. I think they get a win. I think that line is too low. Arizona's not good. Sumlin is not reliable. So I'm going Washington minus six and a half. And then, you know, Ole Miss, you know, Mark from Tupelo. Patrick. What about Patrick from Oxford? Yeah, Yeah, Patrick from Oxford. You guys want some respect, right, for your revs? Well, okay, you showed up against Vandy. Now you're going on the road and you're playing a real team, playing a team that's at least – uh, capable of putting up some points. Mizzou, I know they've got an injured Kelly Bryant, but I still like the fact that they can score points at home. Ole Miss has shown the ability to score some points lately. I think there's going to be a lot of points in this one. I think the over-under is too low, 
at 54 and a half. So I'm going over 54 and a half. Let's see if the Rebs and that offense can take some momentum with them to Mizzou on the road. So that's my bets of the week. Guys, before we get to DJ's final thoughts and close this one out, I want to give you a heads up to follow our Twitter feed for an additional bet we'll release on Saturday this week. You don't want to miss it, so follow us at DJ and Mike. That's at DJ and Mike on Twitter for an additional bet on Saturday. Try to make you a little bit of extra money. And also, be sure to tune in next week because we're likely to be joined by a special guest from one of the SEC message boards, EliteDogs.com. We're going to start featuring this every now and then, and we're hoping to be joined next week and uh, give you guys a little little something extra. And as always, interact with us on Twitter and on email. That's at DJ and Mike on Twitter and the group messageguys at gmail.com on email. DJ, your final thoughts, man. Yeah, like Mike said, man, make sure you make sure you check that Twitter feed for that late night game. Uh, last week I had some people texting and, and DMing us on Twitter and asking us for, for another bet. And we gave them Ohio State, Mike, and that was a winner, right? We, we made them some money during the day, and I know we didn't have that uh, official pick. But, yeah, I gave Ohio State to some people, and uh, they won some money. So final thoughts. Looking forward to the big SEC matchup um, in Bayou Country. Really looking forward to that. Uh, look, you got you got games at eleven o'clock, two thirty, and at night, big time games. ACC enjoy sitting on the sideline and watching. The Big Twelve season is going to come to an end this week, one way or another. And um, I can't wait to catch up next week with you, Mike, and and see how we did and and read some of these headlines that are going to be coming from this week's games. Thanks, DJ. And thank all of you for joining us and for making us a part of your group message. Until next week, for DJ, I'm Mike. Enjoy your weekend, guys. See ya.